Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. Hey, everybody. I wanted to welcome everyone to Live Paranormal Radio's Something Evil. A true crime show. I am one of your hosts, Rob Zarek, and my other host, Nikki, is uh, hopefully there. Nikki, you there? Yep, I'm here. That's great. We're we're starting That's off well. Nice. So we're we're doing a, a special tonight, which we're going to incorporate into Live Paranormal Radio as part of our our regular Tuesday production. Um, something evil, a true crime radio show. And um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, definitely. Me too. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, it it comes about in a lot of what we do. And and I know we we both have a, a general interest in the topic and you you really love watching the these shows and you know getting immersed in the stories and i i mm-hmm. i really enjoy hearing you talking about them because i know you 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 follow a lot of the cases and i do research and you know like we we talked the other night you gave me like a 15 minute rundown on this case in maryland and it was mm-hmm. like if you were writing a documentary you had it all like memorized it was uh I was quite quite impressed. <laughs> well, it hit home. It was, you know, close to home, so it kind of piqued my interest even more so. Well, and I think that, um, you know, with our our paranormal investigations and stuff, there are a lot of times that we come across you know, the true crime scenario or, you know, mm-hmm. something or someone that's, that's evil. And, you know, yeah. so I think it's, it's a general play into something we already come across all the time. Definitely. There's a connection. There's definitely a crossover. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I do too. And I think that, you know, we've been on, uh, tons of paranormal investigations where we've, you know, gone to places that, that, you know, there's been a murder or some sort of crime that's ended in death. And, um, you know, we don't necessarily make contact with you know, the people involved, but there is the premise of us being there due to that fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's what's, uh, you know, one one thing that we is kind of a staple of our post investigation wrap up is uh you know, watching the, the true crime 
documentaries and television shows. And it's been like that mm-hmm. for years. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what that what's what's really interesting about tonight's guest is um it, it seemed to me that we had stumbled across the episode of his story mm-hmm. I don't know how many times. It, it was just like many. Uh, many times. You know, many. And and then it was like mm-hmm. a series of events which I, you know me, I don't really believe in like coincidences and oh, it was meant to be. But it seemed like over like a three-day period, um, I stumbled across either things that pertain to his case or him in general. And I sent mm-hmm. him an email, and within like it was not long, he had already responded. Was like, yeah, I'm, I'm game for being on your show. And so like mm-hmm. it, it was like clockwork that um, it all came together. So mm-hmm. I think let's just go ahead and, and bring him on. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I didn't even tell him that. I just was like, hey, do you want to be on the show? He said yes. And I, I think we'll have to tell him the series of events that led up to, uh, you know, having him <laughs> and on tonight. Yeah. All right. So tonight's guest, Collier, are you there? I am here, brother. How are you? How's your shoulder? It, it's not too bad. You know, I, it, it's a partially torn, I think, rotator. And, uh, I've had like a series of crazy events over the last like five years with a bunch of weird injuries and none of them are cool. Like, you know, I don't have any (laughs) great, amazing stories. They're all like really boring and like, yeah, go figure that happened to you. Like I had two major leg Mm -hmm. injuries over the last five years and like I broke my hip carrying my kids out to the car. I slipped on ice, you know, in the Ohio black ice, it'll get you. And oh, God. Uh, then oh. from that point forward, I, my knee exploded about a year and a half ago, and I was just uh, taking a leap down from a trampoline, fixing it for my kids. And like I said, nothing good. I, I wish I wish I had like a kind of cool, like bar fight story or saving the world type of thing, but it's not nothing. So. <laughs> Well, um, you know, I, now I, think I am it's very. Uh, I'm. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, I think it's pre- predetermined that I'm going to have a stupid death. <laughs> it's going to be like, we, Nicole, she read like there was a, an article of obituary. Someone died like playing ping pong, and I'm like, yeah, that's totally <laughs> how I'm going mm-hmm. out. Something completely stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I um I love it. Um I'm also now thoroughly um very 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 happy with the decision that I don't have kids right now because um I uh I, I do enough to try to injure myself but I just you know, a broken hip man. Ooh, mm-hmm. Forget about it. <laughs> well and, and I kind of I narrowed it down to just those think what it is, it's just trying to help people in general is, is where my problem is. Like, so I was carrying my kids out to the car, trying to help, you know, get them their, their playground equipment set up during COVID. And then I, I didn't even mention the fact that like I, I had tore my calf muscle in between and that was dropping uh, Nikki off and it was pouring out and we were um, going into a location or a place and I dropped her off in front, went and parked and realized that it was a little bit longer of a distance than I thought, and it was a pouring rain. And so I started to run a little bit, and I got like four steps into it, and I heard this pop. 
and uh, my calf muscle pops. So it's been like yeah, I think basically just the, the moral. I've been there. The moral of my story is always fend for yourself and never help anybody because it, it doesn't lead to anything good. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. So I um. So the calf thing is weird. By the way, sorry, Nikki. It is nice to meet you. Nice um, to meet you wow, too. Wow, it is nice <laughs> to meet you too. Yes. 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 Um. So uh. I also tore my ligaments in my calf, but this is a great story. So I was, oh, a, I'm, a, I'm already I, jealous. I ride motorcycles. I ride motorcycles, and I was, I was in between gigs. Let's see. So just a little background. You know, I'm a filmmaker. I live in Hollywood. I'm a cinematographer. I was doing these commercial jobs, and I was returning some gear. And I, there's an area of Los Angeles called Mount Washington, which is on the east side, and I'm riding my mm-hmm. Triumph up the hill and I'm at the top of the hill and then there's another part of the hill that goes up and it's a very steep, very steep angle. And I'm thinking to myself, I probably shouldn't ride up because it was a really narrow road. I don't know how I'm going to, I'm going to turn the bike around. And Mm -hmm. I was getting ready to do another job with these guys that flew in for this horror film from the UK. They had never met me before except for the day before. And the night before that, I had had contracted, bron- like, really bad asthmatic bronchitis, and I had to go to the hospital. So my first phone call to them was like, hey, I'm going to meet you tomorrow. I know that I have all the gear that you've paid for all this stuff and that you flew to the United States to work with me. But don't worry. I- I'm in the hospital, and it's, uh, it's a quarter after midnight, but I'm going to be there for tomorrow's meeting. So already and I'm calling some actress's phone number because they had, like, a loner phone they were using. So I couldn't even get a hold of anyone. I show up, and then, uh, you know, we have our meeting, and everybody's great. Everybody's gone, oh, okay, cheers, mate, go on. Next morning, I'm getting ready to start that gig, and I have to drive out to the middle of the desert about four hours away from L.A. I'm returning these, uh, the sound equipment. I ride the motorcycle up, and I, of course, lay it down just very gently, and I'm like, oh, I turn around, you idiot. You knew better than this. I, I call the guy who I'm dropping the sound gear off to. He comes outside, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to push this bike up. I push the bike up, and I just feel this whack right in the back of my left calf. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think I just tore my Achilles. And I put the bike sort of falls down. It's like a 450-pound bike. And then he, he looks at me, and he goes, he heard it pop, and he runs inside and grabs some ibuprofen. He comes out. I must have taken 12 of them immediately. And we turn the bike around, and I'm like, I'm in so much pain. I'm like, okay, this is not good. Um, and I return the gear. I go to my office studio where somebody's coming to load in the gear with me to drive out to this desert location. The location we were shooting at is where they filmed the movie with John, uh, John Cusack called Identity. If you guys have ever seen it, it's this random hotel. It's in the middle of nowhere, and it has no power. You have to bring your own power. Oh so I was bringing all this gear. I was working as a daffer, which is a lighting guy. And mm. I have all the equipment, and my friend is literally – um, helping me load the stuff into a truck while I'm literally hobbling and my leg is starting to turn black and blue. And I'm like, he's like, dude, you can't walk. You got to go to the hospital. I'm like, I can't leave these people in the middle of the desert. They're in the middle of the <laughs> desert with no cell reception. So we're, <laughs> we're driving to the location and it's in the middle of the desert. And I keep trying to get a hold of this actress's phone number. I say, I leave them a message. I'm like, hey, mate, this is Collier again. going to be about 20 minutes late. Um, I uh, tore my calf muscle, um, and I can't walk, but I'm, I'm in the car, and I, I, I'm in the truck, and we've got the, all the equipment, and I will be there. 
So then they're trying to call me, but we're in the middle of the desert and we're not getting reception. And I show up and there's the entire crew, actors, everything. They're all standing out in front of the hotel because they're paranoid. They're like, okay, we just spent all this money because location was like $20,000 or something for the day. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And they're all standing outside. And I get out of the truck and I have what's called a C-stand arm, which is a piece of equipment we use. And it's this metal arm. And I'm using it as a cane. I've never, you know, I haven't met the other half of the crew yet and the actors. And I'm like, hi, I'm Collier. And we worked for two days straight. And I'm literally, I have photos of it on my Instagram. I've got my, like, leg propped up, and I'm, like, directing them, and I'm, like, doing this. But by the end of the shoot, they're like, you're legend, mate. Like, you're, you're, you're nuts. And then they find out about the film I had just made, A Murder in Mansfield, and they're just like, you're, you're a god. Like, what, like, who are you? You're literally <laughs> like, and they were just like, you didn't. And the moral of the story is I was also trying to help people. But um, I didn't let them down. They were just like, anybody else would have just been like, I'm done. I'm going to the hospital or whatever. Luckily, one of the actors that was on set that was hired in America happened to be an orthopedic or something. He was, he was in therapy, and he checked me out while he was there. He was playing with a killer or something. And, he, and he's like, he rocked up in his, like, expensive-ass Mercedes. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he, he's like, yeah, he's like, if you tore the muscle – you would, your Achilles is fine, which I knew the Achilles was fine because I could walk, but, or put weight on it. But he's like, if you mm-hmm. tore the muscle, you wouldn't be able to walk, but you, but you definitely popped all your ligaments. And I'm like, okay, because I'm like, it felt like I got hit with a baseball bat in the back of my calf. So anyways, mm-hmm. all that to say that I can relate to your story with an even better story. <laughs> yeah, man. That is a much, be- much better story. I mean, to to like just clarify, like mine after we after our investigation, there was like a little like casino, and we stopped at the casino, uh-huh. and um, I, I I like I said it was pouring. It was like like one of the worst electrical storms in Pennsylvania history. It was like crazy. people still talk yeah. about it. It was insane, and um, I made it like five steps, and I had that pop, and I was standing there in the middle of the like the parking lot. And the, the sad part was for her, not as much for me. She had to come out and get me. And so, like, and in the downpour, you know. Yeah. And, oh my and then, God. basically, there was a um, slot machine right when you walk in. And um, <laughs> I sat on that slot machine for, like, three hours and just uh, waited I got for you. I... She's just like, all right. Yeah, she got me ice, and she's like, I'll be back. And I was like, okay, thank you. You know, and I'm stuck in, like, it was, like, a union town, Pennsylvania, um, yeah, it's like which yeah, back in like the, back back in the day, Uniontown was like up. You know, that was the, the place yeah. to go to. But like in mm-hmm. that was like in the teens, nineteen teens. Right. You know, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, a hundred years later, twenty so teens. I, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, they. I think mm-hmm. they had like maybe a uh, a Pittsburgh branch, like at the where is it? UMP. I don't know if it's like a. The, whatever their Pittsburgh medical thing is. So I didn't even bother going. I just waited to come back and go to Cleveland Clinic. But, yeah, your story is much better. <laughs> I don't don't have a good story. Yeah. But <laughs> one thing I, I did <laughs> want to, to mention, and it seems like we have a ton in common, which is kind of funny, but yet also not plays off injuries. the fact that <laughs> – No, not just injuries. Um, mm. You know, we both have – it seemed like you sent me the image of your – your podcast and it's at the Ohio State Reformatory and we have our mm-hmm. yeah. things that we're circulating from the Ohio State Reformatory and then it was weird mm-hmm. you know it seemed like on our investigations on like post investigation you know it's like three or four in the morning and there's not much to watch other than like infomercials or like crime television 
and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. true crime and, you know, stories like that. And, and mm-hmm. you, the episode of your story was on maybe, like, every time. <laughs> for, for, like, the, the no, Was that months. forensic file? Was, yes. We feel yeah. like we know you. We've seen it so many times. And, and, like, and we I, feel like we know and you. And she's like, what, what's on? And I'd, I'd always be like, oh, it's that, that kid from Mansfield in Erie again. And, <laughs> you know, not, no, you know not, <laughs> that's the fact, that's the fact that, you know, in the in the episode, you're a kid, you know, and I think we're probably mm-hmm. similar in age, but yet, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the kid from the show. And so, you yeah. know, we we have that episode on. And then the funny thing is, you know, we, we do our stuff in Mansfield, and then we actually had a production mm-hmm. in Erie. So it was like, really, we, we did an event in Erie for years. And, you know, that was like, mm-hmm. I was like well, that's really weird. Like, the, the cities are coincidental. And, um, yeah. you know, like, like really four straight nights of investigating that the episode was on. And this was over, like, a mm-hmm. couple-month period. And then I, I, for a, a weird present, like, you know, we're into the paranormal stuff. So if we buy something for each other, it's normally like strange. You know, so I was looking for, like, old wanted photo uh, posters and stuff on eBay. And I stumbled mm-hmm. across – and this wasn't just on a weird – weird coincidence is that um somebody was selling a a like a scrapbook with all the newspaper clippings from your case and i was like well that's weird how really? did you come up like from yeah it was like maybe like 40 pages or something it was like everyone someone took the time to cut out all the um like all the articles and had like mm-hmm. all of this information put into a scrapbook I did not get it, um, but I thought it was strange. I was like, well, that's, you know, I was like, I can't believe it's that, you know, that case. And then, mm-hmm. um, like, the next day, I had logged on to TikTok, which we started, you know, putting our evidence on TikTok, and you were on. Like, you came on my feed, and I was like, Hi, what are the odds, <laughs> you know? And so then I just was like, yeah, this is bizarre. You know, this was like the third or fourth thing that came in front of me that that was you in like one or two days. And I'm not like in the know or spent a lot of time on the internet or be like, you know, the person that would, you'd say, oh, that's, that's because you spent a lot of time <laughs> online or you do this or that. You know, it was just really almost beyond coincidental. And then I sent you a mm-hmm. message and within like like an, an hour, we had it all wrapped up. It was just like the most bizarre <laughs> series of events. It's that, so funny. Yeah. That led to, um, you know, having you on tonight. And, and you know, as we had mentioned in, in our, you know, startup, there is a lot of crossover between what we do, you know, and, and stories like yours. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, we, we stumble across that all the time, you know, and obviously – when it comes to shooting documentaries and shooting, you know, stuff that are, you know, it's someone like an attention grabber. If there is a, you know, a, a, a case or something that, you know, is no nationally, you know, that, that does draw attention, especially when, when we come in, you know, so, you know, there is that, that we, we just, we stumble across it all the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's, you know, <laughs> very very eerie but you know it's and it's you know something that we're we're very interested in and versed well versed in so you know i guess talking about you know everything that transpired and and how Mm you turned it into a a positive and even been able to put that you know your your podcast out there and turn it into something that you know 
is a positive. It's, it's something that should be very, you know, inspirational for people. And I know it's very mm-hmm. inspirational for us. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate that. It's great to, it's great when people, you know, I get that feedback because, um, you know, the podcast moving past murder is sort of the, I always wanted to do a podcast and, you know, I made the film A Murder in Mansfield, which is on Investigation Discovery, or IB, as the true crime people call it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to continue telling the story, raising awareness, and I just, um, you know, and, and show and show people that you can go through, you know, extraordinary circumstances defy seemingly insurmountable odds and come out on the other side. You know, you got your bumps and your bruises and maybe, you know, a, a banged up calf muscle that got uh, <laughs> torn. But, uh, you know, you're all right. You're going to be okay. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that has kind of really, you know, inspired and, and motivated me and, and um, been like sort of the torch that I've been carrying, I guess. And, you know, I was doing another interview and everybody said, you know, what is it like to do all this? And, you know, how long, you know, have you always had a passion for this? And I was like, you know, I realized the other day I have not taken my foot off the gas since I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. this has just been something that I've done the majority of my life, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. since I was 11, you know, almost 12 when the murder occurred, when I heard it happen, you know, and then the, the subsequent investigation nobody listening to me except for one detective, David Messmore, and ultimately, the, you know, me finding the photo of the house, which is where they dug my mother's body up underneath the basement floor in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, another state over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, and then, you know, I was, I was abandoned by both sides of my family because I looked like my father to my mother's side of the family. They hated him, and my father's side of the family said, you're putting us in prison. I went into the foster care system. And then I just sort of had to have the courage to testify against my father, which I did for two days of trial, and he is still incarcerated to this day. And there you have it. Yeah. And it's just – well, and, and, I mean, in a nutshell, <laughs> that's not all. <laughs> and that's the one thing that you know, I think always struck us and stuck with us and, and why I, I kind of paid more attention to the story is just the um, – the fact of your age and the, the way mm-hmm. that you handled it from what way it was portrayed in a way that, it, you know, it, it's factual because they, they showed like the clips and stuff. It's just, it's amazing to me that someone would have that kind of composure at your age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because when I made the film, you know, obviously uh, there is a lot of, you know, I in the film you see the, the 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 whole thing with the psychologist that I talked to, who was like a first responder at my school when this happened because he was mm-hmm. working with some kids there. And then I come into you know my mother's body is found; it's all over the place. It's a fiasco in this small town of Mansfield, Ohio, right? And mm-hmm. you know, it's a circus rather a fiasco and a circus. Um, and then you have you know uh, you know scenario where this kid is thrown into you know, this crazy situation. And, you know, I was kind of like on autopilot, but after making the film, I talked to so many people 
and they're like, do you understand, like, why you were the way you were? And I'm like, well, yeah, I think it's because of the way my mother raised me. And they're like, yes. And the reason is, is because my mother treated me like a young adult, like a, almost like mm-hmm. a, a surrogate husband. Because my father was never around. He was a chronic colonizer. He was a, a doctor. And I didn't know that they were, they were sort of estranged as husband and wife, even though we were under the same roof my entire life. And I spent the majority of my time with my mother. And mm-hmm. the way that she treated me as a young adult is really what ultimately became the core of my resilience. And when you treat a child that way, when they're, when they're go through this certain trauma and they're dropped from a height and most people bounce up into like a fear state, a fight or flight state. Right. And mm-hmm. what am I going to do? I bounced up into a, okay, now I'm going to use, you know, I can function. I know what's going on. I know what I heard. I'm going into action mode, like immediately. Okay, my mother is missing. My father is like, mommy took a little vacation. I heard, I heard what I believe was her murder. Now I got to get my father's like, we're not going to call the police. We're not going to call the FBI. All this crazy shit. And I'm like, okay, well that's great. I'm gonna, I, I'm in action mode, and it's, and it really hasn't stopped. And it was, you know, but it's amazing. For me, and I, and I also blame it on the fact that, like, people were like, well, why were you so intuitive and why were you why, – why did you remember so many details? And I was like, well, ultimately, this is what happens when you're the last kid in your friend group to get a Nintendo. <laughs> so, <laughs> my dad, like, they kind of did it to themselves in a lot of ways because my mom just got me a Nintendo that Christmas. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was raised, like, reading books and, and going to bookstores and having and listening to NPR with my dad, you know, both my parents, right? And mm-hmm. my dad, I remember being at home, you know, on the couch watching Larry King on CNN and stuff. So I was – it really goes back to like how you raise your kids and look, you don't want to raise your kids in this like sort of fear and paranoia state, but you also, you know, if it wasn't for the way that my mother treated me, like I probably would have been, it would have been a different scenario for sure. Cause I was able to think on my feet. And even when I spoke to Dennis Marikis, who is a psychologist who was there, he's in the film murder in Mansfield. I interviewed him on the podcast recently probably about 10 episodes ago, I believe the episode is called uh, Surviving a Murder in Mansfield. And I talked to him and I said, what was it like when you met me that day at my school when I had just found out that my mother's body had been dug up, that my father did, that I was right, and that my father didn't murder my mother? And he goes, he goes, well, everyone in the school was very concerned about you. And he's like, and then I realized something. They didn't really know you because even though you were sad and you were – you had just lost your mom and you were obviously clearly grieving that, he's like you had a composure about yourself like you knew mm-hmm. – like you had a purpose. You knew what you needed to do next. Like, okay, now, now my father's going to go on trial or whatever. Like, you, you know, I went into this action state, which is – you know, I've done a TED talk on this, right? And it's like when you're in trauma, it's ultimately what I feel is the thing that leads you through that and those immediate, like, 
first moment is having mm-hmm. action that you can do. And it's the, you are able to, you, you're kind of like, why did this happen goes to like, what's next? What now? Like, what are we going to do? Like, okay, let's get a plan together. Okay, great. My, my, we're not great, but my mother is dead. There's nothing I can do about this. My father is arrested. Okay, he needs to go to prison because he killed her. Okay, I'm going to go before the grand jury and tell them everything I know, which I did. You know, leading up to this, I told the, you know, the detectives. And one of the crazy things, and I don't mean to drone on and on. I, I obviously love the sound of my own voice. It's a good thing I do a podcast. But they, you know, the um, and I was good at self-deprecating humor as well. Um, the, the thing is, is that I'm realizing as I do this more and more with missing persons cases, it is something where, you know, it is so, uh, it is so crucial because what happens is, is that my mother was missing. You know, there was, you know, the, the police treated it as a missing persons case. And if Dave Messmore didn't listen to me, like, look, my mother is dead. My mother would never leave me. This is what happened. And ultimately being able to go to school. And when he gave me his business card, I go to school and I'm like, call Dave Messmore. And, the, and the, the way that I was able to sort of operate freely in my school, talking to the police detective and saying, look, this is what's going on. My father has a girlfriend, my or a mistress, my father um, has been a womanizer. My father has a proclivity for violence. He has been violent to, to myself and my mother for years. He has a, a temper. He's apoplectic with that temper. You know, he is someone who is dangerous. And my mother told me, if I ever disappear, your father had me killed. And this is what I heard. And like to be able to give that to an investigator in the very start of a of a missing persons case was invaluable is ultimately why my father faced justice because if that hadn't happened, if I hadn't had that sort of safety net of going to school and saying to my principal, call this guy, here's his business card, call the man, get him down here. Like, no, I'm not going to class. You're calling. (laughs) And this persistence in him saying to his police captain, you know, when they're like, why are we're not investigating a doctor? You're out of your mind. And him saying, yeah, but this kid, this kid, it also is like, this kid won't leave me alone. This annoying <laughs> little, almost 12-year-old child who is very intelligent and very good at communicating will not leave me alone. And I think he was pretty much, I think that he was obviously wanted to find out what happened, but I think he was also looking out for himself because he's like, if I don't listen to this kid, he's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm being, I'm being cheeky, but, you know, ultimately mm. it's like, I am so fortunate that Dave listened to me. I am so fortunate to be able to have had that platform. And I am still so fortunate to be able to now have a different platform to advocate for these things, to discuss these things, to discuss about trauma, non-combat PTSD, all of these situations, and share my own experiences, which I do through the podcast, not only through my personal experiences, and I share these on TikTok, which has been amazing. TikTok community is Mm -hmm. awesome. And it just really embraced me and my story. But also I share letters from my father from prison. I have 500 letters sitting under my desk. And I've probably read six of them on the course of the podcast. I'm going to be continuing reading more because it shows you inside the mind of a sociopath and a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And you have a man who's murdered his son's mother, his wife, and then is trying to gaslight his son into thinking that he did something wrong. Or that his mother deserved it, or this—I mean, it's the insanity is just—it's next level. 
And right. the way the story just continues, even nowadays continues to play out with what I'm doing as I'm revisiting all of these chapters of my life and bringing them out into the foreground and, 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 and into a public space on TikTok, through my podcast, you know, on social media, and sharing with them my experience. Because, the, the, you know, that's the next genesis. That was the next genesis of the podcast, of the film, was to then start to share these things so other people can benefit from them, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think that there's probably a large, a large amount of people it could help in, in various capacities. Uh-huh. Even, even when you come okay. to, like, there might be someone who is like you that, you know, knows something but is not being listened to. Or maybe someone knows mm-hmm. something, but they're being, you know, they, they, they feel like they can't speak up, you know. So, I mean, you, right. can, you can play out the scenarios to many different, you know, capacities of someone that th- this could help. You know, and, and yeah. it's just it's absolutely like shocking to think of how many stories are out there like yours that maybe were left not properly looked into. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And mm-hmm. the thing is, let's not, let's not mince words. Let's not dance around this subject. The majority of these cases where a spouse goes missing, a, a partner goes missing, are female. It's a domestic mm-hmm. violence situation. It's a divorce. It's the woman that goes missing. And what mistakenly happens and people get angry about is they're like, well, the police didn't do anything. Well, the police can't do anything if no one else is there. If you tell them after a month that she's been missing for a month, what the fuck are they going to do? Like, they're right. going to go, too late. we like, hope we can find something. <laughs> it's, been a month. It's, it's like, and it's not, and, and also, you know, there is, a, there is really a, a huge part of this that is, you know, you have to become that advocate because, okay, they get the missing person's case. And they don't find anything. They talk to the husband. They talk to this, okay, we don't find anything. Something fishy, but okay. Oh, what, shit, okay, so there's a bank robbery, or there's this, and oh, this happened, and this. And then it, it goes, you know, it gets shoved into the pile with everything else. Mm-hmm. It's not because law enforcement doesn't care. It's because law enforcement has so much on their plate. And you almost mm-hmm. have to really become this advocate for your loved one and mm-hmm. and do that because because – you can't rely on the system, not because the system doesn't want to help you, but because the system is so overloaded. And that's the sad truth, and that, and that trickles on down, right? That goes from, you know, from the criminal justice system into the foster care system, into mm-hmm. the adoption system, into the juvenile incarceration system, which then, which then leads to the, uh, the uh, adult incarceration system. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a vicious cycle, right? And Definitely. it's just... You know, and the only way to break these, at least in my opinion, right? And look, I, I've always said since I was a little kid, I want to be my generation's John Walsh. Like the thing is, is that until we have these conversations and we keep raising awareness and we keep talking about this, we can't make any change. We can't rely on our legislators. We can't rely on this. We can't rely on companies unless it, unless it turns into somebody's personal profit or a corporation's personal profit. They don't give a shit. You know what I mean? But right. we have to be there and we have to be active. And look. It's easier said than done. It is exhausting. 
it is exhausting stuff, but the more conversations you have, and when you mention like talking to somebody like me, when I made the film, I mean, my entire story, right, and I, you can interrupt me whenever you want, because I will go on and on, but when I, no, no, my it's, whole it's impetus really for moving to Hollywood, my whole mm-hmm. impetus for moving to Hollywood and to becoming a filmmaker, right? I went to music school. I went to Ohio University School of Music. I went to Oberlin Conservatory. I went for voice. I dropped out. I said, I want to go to L.A. I wanted to get out of Ohio. I wanted to go to a place where nobody knew who the fuck I was. Two grand in my pocket, get in my car, like, go out there and make it on my own. When, because so much of growing up, as you know, growing up in Ohio, it's a small state, but we have a population with 5, 10 million, you know, uh, that's a suburb in Los Angeles, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, the entire population of Los Angeles County is the size of Australia, which is a continent, not even a country, a continent, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I came to a place where everybody is all trying to tell their stories, and I'm like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn through the craft of filmmaking and to tell my story, and I learned all the things about filmmaking, and it wasn't until I met someone named John Morrissey, who made a film that I was so passionate about called American History X, which I saw at a theater in 1999 in Northridge, California. And I said to my friend, whoever made that film understands the consequences of violence. Flash forward eight years later, my girlfriend at the time comes into my office in our house in Hollywood, or our bungalow in Hollywood and says, hey, uh, this guy contacted me, wants to photograph me as a movie producer, and he's done all these movies, and she rattled off, and she says, American History X, an American History X, and she goes, I think so. He contacted me on MySpace, of all things. And I said, get him over here. Let's talk. And we became friends. And a few years later, he was looking for a project. And he mentioned a notebook full of uh, – a binder full of newspaper clippings. I gave him a binder full of newspaper clippings. I was like, he wanted to make some stupid, silly project. And I said, no, what you want to do is something legitimate. You made American History X, man. This is what you should do. And this is a pilot for a docuseries about the consequences of violence in America. And the best news I have for you is this is my life, and I own the rights to the pilot. And he read it, and he called me the next day. He goes, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, this is your life? Because everyone knew out here that, like, my small circle of friends knew the very basics. My dad killed my mom. That was it. And I'm from Ohio. That was it. You know, nothing. And unless, you know, you talk about that Forensic Files episode, I remember the first time that I saw it, I was on a date with a girl, and she's flipping through the channels. And that picture of that kid on the witness stand talking on the witness stand, she flips through the channels. I see it. I'm like, oh, shit, that's me. She's flipping. She stops. She looks over at me on the couch or laying in her bed, and she's, like, looking at me, and then she flips back, and then it's, like, me on the witness stand. She looks at these unmistakable blue eyes. They were my mother's, and she she's looking at me, and I'm, like, yeah, that's me. Kind of told you I had a mess, and she was, like, her mind was blown, and I'm, like, great. Um, (laughs) Yeah, here we are, but, like, nobody knew my story, and so then I would tell my friends that I was working with, and People, I'm like, look, I'm going to tell my story. I, I'm, I've got this great life story. I'm going to make it into a film. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you and every other, you and every other person right. comes to this town. And then when it, and then I didn't tell anyone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then all of a sudden the movie comes out. And they're like, and it's directed by two-time Oscar winner Barbara Koppel, who's won two Oscars for documentaries. She is very successful, very well respected in the film community and the documentary community. Mm-hmm. She's a legend, and she. They literally look at me and they're like, oh, you actually did what you said you were going to do. And I'm like, well, yeah, like this is my whole purpose, you know, and I set out to make the film for two reasons. One is 
because I wanted to tell my mother's story, to share my mother's story. And the second thing is, is there's that that was just like me in foster care, has lost the one person that could make everything better for them, and they're gone from this earth. They have nobody on their side, no family support, mm-hmm. no nothing. And you're staring in the nadir of your life where you have to testify against a, a monster. And your life is already ruined. And the other option is this man doesn't get convicted and comes back and ruins the rest of this life that you may have. And it's you against him. And we're in a foot race. And I knew that, like, I had to find the courage and the fortitude to testify against my father. I testified at trial for two days. And... Mm -hmm. I wanted to speak to that kid who I would get a little emotional, but that kid who didn't have anyone for them and say, look, man, it's going to be okay. And the thing that I found in doing this the majority of my life is that people who come through unspeakable trauma often find themselves with a fire that burns inside of them that is almost unextinguishable. And that is what drives them. And that's what drove me. That's amazing. Oh, that's, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, and you could see the passion that you've had throughout the mm-hmm. years. And yeah. what, what I read and, yeah. you know, just, it's, it's, it's amazing and very yeah, inspirational, like we said before. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I wish, I, I feel like we could have a, like a, a three hour podcast, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like an hour live show. We, we could, there's so much we could talk about, you know, um, sure. you know, we could bounce around between the, the, the good, the bad, and even the, the silly. And, um, cause that's all, yeah. you know, we're always good for that. You know, and, and I, I don't even know how much you are interested in what, you know, we do when it comes to the, the paranormal stuff. But it's funny you mentioned OU. That's actually where I got my, my start in paranormal investigating. Because, you know, that's a really, a really haunted town. <laughs> Athens? You know, yeah, Athens. Mm-hmm. I went to, that's where I went. I mean, no, I'm saying Athens is a, it has a, like a whole little thing to it for sure uh-huh yeah with the the, the cemeteries and you know it's in the shape of a pentagram yeah. like the, the cemetery the way they're all laid yeah. out and stuff and then uh yeah you know back Crazy. in the day we we would we'd stumble upon maybe maybe I, you wouldn't really use the word breaking in but i guess maybe like you'd happen to wander in to <laughs> you know, like uh, a couple areas not to be named but I guess now that they're they're actually functioning, um, they're part of the art department now. I think. Oh wow! I'm not gonna name them, but I, I know that they're actually turned into offices now over at the. I think they may or may not be called the Ridges, um, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of how. I, I don't know what what years you went there, but um, I haven't been there in a long time, so. I have not been to Athens in a long time. It was funny because I was in this true crime like meetup here in Los Angeles not too long ago and there's a casting director and I, I'll be honest I, I met her a few years ago I shot a pilot that she cast and I thought no she's really cute and we're talking and I said something about Athens and she goes Georgia or Ohio and I said no Ohio 
And she goes, did you go to OU? And we ended up realizing that we literally knew, had mutual friends. We probably knew each other back then. And uh, we, you know, we went to school at the same time. And it was like, oh, that's crazy and weird and random, you know, and you're a true crime podcaster. And this is super, this is super <laughs> interesting. But yeah, Athens is a cool, cool place. But I have not been back in like ages, man. Court Street Shuffle, you know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I actually lived at the end of Court Street. There was a, a bar called the Greenery. And right after the Greenery is mm-hmm. where the street that I lived on. I lived on one one half rose. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, I know exactly where so, you're at. <laughs> so I don't know what what, what so years funny. were you there? So I was there from like '96 to '98, and then I left and went to Oberlin for so, like a year, and then left. I was there from 97 to 98, and then I went to um, <laughs> Hocking College, and then I went from Hocking College okay. to finishing at uh, uh, the community college here, and then I ended up selling real estate. I took my real estate classes in my final elective and uh, sold my first house in the first week, and that's how I got involved into doing uh, luxury homes. Huh, that's hilarious. But I, that's I'm, not, I'm, not actually, I'm not actually from origi- originally from Ohio. I, I grew up in South Florida, so just my entire family is from the Ohio area. Well, that's crazy. You know, um, well, a lot of shit goes down in Florida too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <You> no. <know. laughs> oh, yeah. That's a that's a strange place, man. That is a um, oh God, what is his name? Uh, Lucky you. He wrote Lucky you. Oh, God, now grammatical decay. Oh, man, what is his name? He writes all these amazing books about Florida. Um, Oh, my God. Um, Carl Hyacin. Carl Hyacin has these, like, great books about all this weird shit that goes down. He was very obsessed with Florida and the swampy (laughs) sort of culture that goes on there. Lucky you is a great book about two brothers that, like, scandalize (laughs) Let's like take advantage of this lottery winner. It's so crazy. It's so funny. They're like a, like a paranoid militia group. It's it's really very interesting. <laughs> Definitely, well, I love Florida. You know, I I, I I enjoyed growing up there. There was definitely a culture shock moving from Florida to Ohio. Um, it's sure. uh, it's a different lifestyle, especially in Northeast Ohio and. Uh, it's, it is what it is, but I, I'll be honest with you. I think uh, I'm I'm happy where I'm at, but I do get to travel a lot. I think we're actually actually the planning mm-hmm. is, is we'll probably be out, and I think later on in the summer we're going to go investigate um, out in at the at the Roosevelt Hotel and oh out by you. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna yeah. we did we did a, a kind of kind of a not so funny story. <laughs> During COVID, we well before COVID, we we shot a documentary and it was supposed to be edited and really well done. And because of COVID, it uh, that whole thing fell apart when it came to what we did with the production. And the production uh-huh. was actually not not done to what we were. I, I don't know how much I want to say, but. We, it just it, it was, <laughs> wasn't what we were expecting, <laughs> to say yeah. the least, uh-huh. with, with all the, the time and stuff that we put into it. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because we're going back to work with the people again. <laughs> so it's, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, but but we we totally enjoy them, and uh, we enjoy the yeah. you know shooting the production, and we like you know I, I loved it. It's just the fact that that's that, you know it, it, everything came to a halt, and uh, you know for promotional purposes they from their end wanted it released. And so they did their best putting it together, um, but they put it together a little bit different than we anticipated at the time and what yeah. we were all hoping for. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll yeah. be doing that again, hopefully soon, and uh, yeah. kind of a redo. <laughs> so I always tell yeah. people, like, I'm like, yeah, you don't, you know how you mentioned you promoted, you're like, yeah, brilliant, you know, I'm. This is amazing. You can check it out. You know, go see it here. Go see it there. I do the complete uh-huh. opposite. I'm like, yeah, we shot it. Don't go watch it. I'm not going to tell you where you can see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to know what. They, there's nothing anywhere about it. Um, no, not nothing on IMDb. Not nothing. It's not non-existent. So you know, it's a complete opposite spectrum for us. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, even everything, even from the down to the uh, promotional like um, tour we did, was like not memorable. Uh Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, so if you're ever interested in getting, yeah, you know, it's one of those that we had high anticipation. You know, was like this could be something, something special, but. Yeah, we're hoping for the next one. But anyway, yeah. we're going back, we're going back for it. Um, and if you're if you're yeah. into it, you know, you're more than welcome to join us for a night of uh, paranormal investigating. Yeah, I'm down. I'm totally down. Awesome. We'll make a we'll make awesome. a thing of it. I have friends that are doing like some some of those shows too, and uh, they're actually on TikTok. So maybe even yeah, we can figure something out for sure. It'll be fun. I'm into it. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, and we Love just we, we kind of um, I started doing posting our stuff on TikTok when I was confined to a chair with my leg injury. Um, I always thought uh-huh. it was just like kids dancing around, and I was like, you know, I thought it was kids dancing around. I'm like, I can't dance around even before my injury, so it was you know suitable. But what what my fear <laughs> is always is that you know because we've been branded for almost what 15 plus years as live paranormal. Um, mm-hmm. That someone they people use our like they they're gonna sign up for that username. So when I signed up for the username, I just you know put a couple of videos on and, and we had some good success. And then then we had a couple month lull where we didn't post and then we posted more stuff. But you know I started posting stuff again and you know we're getting our numbers up there and you know people are enjoying our footage. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I, I like that. Okay. You know what? I like the platforms cool for us because we can sit there and just pop stuff up while we're in the middle of an investigation but you know normally you have to sit and you have to pull the footage from your cameras and you know cut it and everything but you know I could do like a secondary source with right. my phone or whatever and you know and we can just sit and cut a couple seconds put it up and you know watch the views come in as we're you know doing our stuff so I do enjoy that part of it and you can also live stream it too, which is crazy. That's right. And and it's good quality. It's amazing quality. It's uh, it's you know, it's so funny when I got into the film business, like digital was just starting to be a thing, right? I've never actually shot a, an actual movie on film, like thirty-five millimeter film, and you know, so everything was turning into digital, and 
it's just it's so interesting to just see the advances in technology. It's, it's like crazy. It's, it's the things you can do nowadays. I mean, speaking as a filmmaker and the ways that you can create and offer content is, is incredible these days. It's like you don't even need a computer, really. I mean, right. I've been I've been dating a Gen Zer, and like I don't even think she owns a computer. <laughs> and I'm like, well, a PC is a type, not an actual. We called them PCs back in the day, but it's actually very specific. It's a Windows machine, but uh, yeah, you use your <laughs> iPad and your iPhone, and that's what you do. Okay, great, you know. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like when I bought my kids' computers. They're like, what are you doing with a desktop computer? Like, what is this? What is this box? Right. Like, it's a desktop computer. Right. But, you know, just another thing to make me feel old, I guess. But, yeah, the, the, right. do you go live? Do you do live streaming? Because I know we've, we've been doing some live streaming, and it's, people love it. I've done it once. Like, seriously. I did, it one, I did it twice, actually. I did it once at CrimeCon, and I did it once here in L.A., and I was on for like almost two and a half hours answering people's questions. I have to get more into it because there's so much, like there's so much to do. And it's with the podcast, with the this, and you know, I, also the thing with the podcast is I have to, I have to work too on top of the podcast because the podcast is like it's a self-funded thing and it's a full-time job, not bringing mm-hmm. in revenue yet. So it's like. Everything mm-hmm. I'm doing is to build towards the podcast, and it's really all I want to do, but I still am working as a filmmaker, and I'm editing a documentary right now, and I'm working on other projects, and I just shot a bunch of commercials last week, and, you know, you're, you know, you're always <laughs> doing stuff, and it's like yeah. you got to keep the lights on, but then you got to do this, and so it's just like adding a live to it. It's like, oh, my God, I'm just exhausted. I need to sleep. You know, and I right. like to stumble into <laughs> life, and I definitely try to injure myself by mountain biking up on the mountains here and, and uh, by Santa Monica and, and swimming in the ocean and surfing, which is, like, the most impossible thing to do. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> well, and what I've noticed for us and, and with, like, with our content, it's, like, all plan. We'll have, like, a most amazing plan, like, yeah. Like we had this almost like the Geraldo Rivera type reveal, like the right. Geraldo <laughs> Rivera type reveal in Gettysburg. We had people that were allowing us to dig one of the, like the most historic basements in Gettysburg. Yeah. You know, try for you know where soldiers were buried and you know that were the wounded, and it was never mm-hmm. never been dug before. So we did like a metal detecting, and we had psychics come in and say that there was stuff you know buried down there. Big, big, like amazing thing, and you know, and then we so we got really good numbers. But then we went went into like a cemetery in West Virginia and just went live on a whim, and we had the numbers were just as good. So I was like, why are we putting this much like effort into like building this huge thing when we could just go grab right. a, a camera go live with our phones somewhere and just go random live yeah. from a cemetery? <laughs> right. So from yeah. our standpoint, it's like the content, it does. I think as long as people like get a little bit of a creepy feel and they, they you know like it looks like you're sneaking i always say sneaking around and she can't stand when i say yeah, stuff like totally. that. Like, you know that's the, the one thing yeah, in, in our true. podcast which doesn't really come through at you know at least with this show because there, there's a serious element to you know our conversation is that you know yeah. the way we play off each other i think i'm funny and she does not think i'm funny you know so that that shows in a lot of our content and both like when we do our you know reality tv stuff or our podcast 
But, you know, as long as you have that and what I call sneaking around and, you know, she's like, she's always like, I can't believe you call what we do sneaking around in the dark. But it's really what we do, and it's a good way to describe <laughs> it because people love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Hey, hey, brother, let me tell you something. We think we're so funny and witty and cute, and they're just looking at us going, dude, you're you're so out of touch, bro. <laughs> totally. He still calls you, you the – he calls it the Ethernet, his electronic mail. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, stop. But you, start just, what, you, you, you know what happens? Is like once she um, tells me that it's like annoying and I can see the look on her face when I say something, he doesn't then stop. the light goes on. And I know like I can't stop. You know, I, it's got to mm-hmm. – I got to put years into like – and then like a couple times I'll forget that that's like – there's a trigger word that will irritate her, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to say that. But what it is is you have to – like you got to have a couple – like guys that like feel the same way and then you can't have them like on our podcast or you get to talk to them like once in a while and then like they think they're funny and you think they're funny then you mm-hmm. guys like we, we think each other are funny and then it you know it keeps you sane <laughs> right yeah so that's what you have to do like once a year, my friend Dustin will probably come on, uh-huh. and we both think each other are super funny, and she finds us both annoying. So the most painful show I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the one show that I look forward to that I can actually like, you know, think I'm funny and actually like not be told I'm not. You know, so uh-huh. that's funny. I let you have that one. It's okay. There's always that one time. I think that, and yep, then the last time, time I did, I was all hopped up on pain meds. And I think I, I almost bought a Lincoln online, which was like, she's like, I can't believe you're during the show. Yeah. During the show. Yeah, during it the was, show. It was, it was yeah. a good idea that Matthew McConaughey <laughs> did well with it. So I was like, uh, maybe I should buy a Lincoln. Yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. But then at the end of the day, because <laughs> you know what? I, I ended up at the time, and, you know, not to talk, to talk about rambling on. I ended up getting a Cadillac, and I'll tell you why I got a Cadillac is because I acted with my bad leg. I had a handicap pass, and I was like, what car is better for a handicap pass than a Cadillac? Because I think like 80, 90% of all Cadillacs are handicap passes. I think that's a statistic that mm-hmm. I'm just making up, but it's it's somewhat accurate. It's probably accurate, yeah. I think I, 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 I would have a hard time arguing with that, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what, but what essentially what you're saying is also – you have an old man's car. Yes. I tend not to think that. You do. I told you. Check the seems, windows. It'll help. It, <laughs> yeah. I, I went with the CTS, and I think the CTS is sporty, yet, yet it, it is. That sounds like an old man. Hang the hand. <laughs> you just called it sporty. Yeah, oh. I, I did go with my dad because he bought one too, and he's like seventy five. So I, I guess now it's like starting to all come together. There, uh huh. There we go. There we go. Yeah, he's talking. He's having an awakening on air. Yeah, oh. the, the more that I talk about it, the more. Well, and I, I came. To the more the you should just stop. I needed to like move on, but like right when I realized that like I no longer wanted the car, it's like right when they the cars every car went up like three times the price. So I was like, yeah, there's no yeah. point to to make a move on a car now because some of the stuff I looked at was like, I couldn't even believe the prices in today's market for used cars or even yeah. new cars. So yeah, uh, but but anyway, <laughs> I, I digress from there. 
Right, but you know, it, it, we're looking. Unfortunately, we're we're coming up on the full hour, so I, I think we'll have to do this again if you know. Yeah. You know, it's got to take you got to be willing to as well. So. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I'm good with that. Absolutely. Now uh, there's a delay, so I'm curious: is there a way that we can get on a non-delay, or is it is it? Um... Oh, hello. I'm not. Hello. I'm not sure. <laughs> there was a big delay. <laughs> it seems like I say something yeah, and I, then there's a delay and then you guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was well, a huge well, delay. Well, did that just did that just happen? Um, Manually? Has it been like, like, you were like, like Oh, let me think show. about this. Let me think about this. Yeah, uh, it, 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 right. It, it takes me a long time. It takes me a long time to process. What I think it is too is what what has <laughs> happened is we have a, a virtual studio, and our virtual studio has a British oh. lady that gives it gives me all the feedback, and I think the feedback because uh-huh. it was just the top of our show hour, it was playing through that. Oh, Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Because we have we have, we <laughs> have our system our our virtual system. What it does is it, it will give you um time. But like, yeah, hey, you cues. know, you have 90 seconds left. It, your time cues, you should be sure. running an ad. Now. You know, like whatever your time cues are. And, it, and it's been pumping those time cues and this up through my, you know, earpiece here so for the piece. last, yeah. like, three or four minutes. Oh, so they're like, they're, like, they're like, hey, stupid, your time slot's over. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, just, <laughs> oh, that's we, so funny. We, so we, we air it live. Um for the first hour, uh-huh. and then anything that we go over the hour is then just in the post-production podcast. Yeah. Gotcha. So that, gotcha. that's how that's how we function. But then there is like that little bit of a, a, a delay where the show live and it kicks into the extended podcast version. So I think, that, I think gotcha. that's where we we had the had the <laughs> delay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I've never noticed it before, and I appreciate you calling us out on it because now yeah. I know. Oh no! Good I was to know. Out. So wait a minute. Hold on. Now did the show just end? So it ended for our live audience, but it's it's in a um, tape mode. So it it kicks into a tape. So mode. now we're in the so now we're in the, the after mode. hours. Yeah. The after hours. So, like, <laughs> so we can say anything we want now, and it could be taken off, or it could be left on. Got it. it okay. Yeah. And so I'll be honest with you, not a delay. There's much less of a delay now. That's it's that's interesting. Yeah, it was okay. Now it makes total sense. It, it, Got it. Yeah, it's probably just in like yeah. that. So like I'm guessing from, you know, with, since we were on Eastern time, that 11:29, or no, it's like 11:28 to like 11:31. That three minute gap will be like where it shoots me like constant notification through my earpiece. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. And normally, that's normally it. we're in wrap up mode. You know, but yeah. we just Got we've it. extended it, and it, and let it. You know, mm-hmm. there's if if our guest is interesting, and you know, we're enjoying the conversation, we'll keep it longer because we run the network, and we buy the airspace. Yeah, so we can do so it. It's not like yeah. if we can do it. <laughs> and then we always interesting. Like, you know, if some if something dumb happens, we're like, oh, we'll cut that out. And then you know what? We never cut it out because yeah, it's for good radio, and I thought of it. Yeah, kind of like you. We have other stuff going on where you're like, all right, we have. We're like, like, we have the best like, oh, yeah, we're gonna... yeah, we'll go well, back and do that. And like, it's like you want to take the you want to take the dumb stuff out, but then you're like, that's really funny, and people would really enjoy that, you know. Right. And it's like I always, I always play around with that. 
Yeah. Yeah, it makes it, it exactly. It's the authenticity. Well, I just uh, I always walked outside of my balcony, and um, I'm looking at this beautiful sort of sunset happening over the mountains here, and it's pretty cool with the palm trees. I gotta say, I might have to snap a photo yeah. of that. <laughs> Is, uh, I don't. I don't know why. It, it's kind of a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say when you guys come out here, you'll have to come to my. You'll have to come to Santa Monica, and check it out. Okay. Too. I, love uh, I think I live in. Go ahead. No, I'm good. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. So. So, so we, um, I, I think we're probably sometime in the beginning of August, the end of July. I've got to get it all sorted. Yeah, I need those dates. Um, apparently, there's the the guy that we're going to be spending the majority of time with, and is actually paying our way out to go out there and stuff. He's, I think, he's going uh-huh. on tour or something. Yeah. Okay. So he, he does music as well. Mm, oh, cool. And uh, we love that. Yeah, it's it, it's it's really fun. So we we shot a. Um, have you seen the movie The Lost Boys? Oh, of course, yeah. So we we did a especially we took the Frog Brothers to Gettysburg, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. now we're gonna head out to uh, L.A. to do some stuff out there. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. When, so when do you will you guys be out here? I'm thinking end of July. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'll be here. I don't usually go anywhere. Well, I do. I go tons of places, but I should be around for sure. But they, uh, yeah, okay. So I just had the here. first thing. I had a first time just now while on air. I had an Amber Alert interrupt everything. That was an so Amber weird. Alert. An Amber Alert just interrupted. Yeah. That's uh, first time on air, Amber Alert. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave you with one final little little tidbit. It was kind of funny that you mentioned about going out to your balcony and overlooking, um, you know, being in California. We we once did a radio show with this producer, um, and he he had a similar like lead in, and then he led into the fact that he walked out into his balcony, looking over I guess like the desert or whatever, and, and he was in. I can't remember what the scenario was, but he said he it was his, his nightly visit of the UFOs, and he was being yeah. serious. And then our yeah. whole conversation really took a turn for like the bizarre, because he was talking about how the UFOs visit him nightly, and um, yeah. we weren't anticipating any of this. <laughs> like this was no, like not. It was totally unexpected. We were, just like, yeah. It's like oh, they're back. So, and I'm like, what are you talking? That's crazy. Like, yeah, the UFOs are back. Yeah, you can see them cool. over the dungeon. So, they come and visit me. Yeah, that's cool. So my ex-girlfriend um, of many, many, many years ago, her father, who you know passed away the last couple of years, got rest the soul. And he was a shaman in Costa Rica, and he had this property in the middle of nowhere on the coast, and oh, wow. it was a very like big vortex. And I don't know if you've ever been to Costa Rica, but Costa Rica has this weird phenomenon. They have these giant, perfect stone spheres, and they're massive. They're massive, like probably at least I would say 
eight, maybe eight feet in diameter. And they're, they're stone and they're perfect spheres and they're at random places around Costa Rica. And I believe even oh, wow. in Central America as well, but like they're, they're most prevalent in Costa Rica. And, like, nobody can explain how they got there because they must weigh, like, tons. Like, how could you get a perfect sphere into, like, the middle of the rainforest? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like a (laughs) stone sphere. Like, where does that come from? Like, there are many places in Costa Rica. And so I've been down and I've seen, I've definitely seen aliens and things of that nature, like spirits and just some crazy shit, man. There's, you know, all the Mayans are down there and you have the, you know, the Mayan calendar, the, the you know the um, pyramids like all this stuff mm-hmm. that just that is very aligned with you know celestial beings it's super right. crazy and so uh, I can relate well, to yeah, that I, I find that stuff all that's super interesting when I when I oh, had so. my uh, I, when I had my broken hip I, I lost my controller for my television for something like four straight days <laughs> I watched Ancient Aliens. I watched every single episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just like Ancient Aliens. It's just odd. So I'm well versed on like seasons one through four of Ancient Aliens and like the, uh, all the Ancient <laughs> Alien old. theories. But, but only go up to like, once it hits like season five, then I don't, I don't have it. But you know, there's just a lot of things that are, are super interesting that, you know, like you said, yeah. like, how did you get that there? You know, and I, I think the one right. that I found weird is like they found packing, um, and some of the mummies of tobacco that was only found in Mexico in Egypt. Um, and they're like, in the time periods, like where would, like apparently there was like a pipeline or somehow they traded or traveled, which would have been like not even a possibility back in that time, you know, frame of when they existed uh-huh. and how that like rare tobacco, like was kept showing up inside of the, um, like the, the mummies, tombs yeah. in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, some of that stuff, you just can't figure it out. Like, there's no, there's no rational explanation. Right. Um, that's like some uh, American gangster, uh, right? Gangster <laughs> shit. Like, right? What, what was his name? Not Freeway Ricky Ross. What was it? Ike Atkinson or something like that. Uh-huh. We put the heroin in the body bags coming back from uh, from um. Um, you know, uh, Vietnam. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, or no? Am I like way off here? You ever see oh, you no, know, I American know Gangster about. with Denzel Washington? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, so anyways, he was trafficking heroin from Southeast Asia in body bags coming back to the United States of dead U.S. soldiers. That's how he right. made his fortune. <laughs> getting heroin into the United States. So and the tobacco, yeah, the mummy thing made me think of like, were they doing like a, a, a smuggling thing that you said no. Right. That like, was like where my mind went. Right. I'll never suspect it. Right. it <laughs> no, but I just don't know how it got there from, right. you know, that time period. But, but anyway, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll have to set this up again. And, you know, we enjoyed yeah. having you on. For sure. And, um, I think we can actually just not have to edit this, so this is great. We'll leave this as an extended cut, and uh, you, you know, people should enjoy the, the little bit of extra. You know, the, so they'll listen you know, to like a little we, bit of my know, true crime story, and then they'll listen to it. They'll listen to us mostly talking about like injuries, 
uh, Ohio <laughs> University. Uh, <laughs> right. 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 R- ran- random, mm. random weirdness. But uh, yes. lost remote control. Yeah. You know, I put a tile, exactly. uh, a tile, a tile on my remote control so it doesn't get lost. So I can just go on my phone <laughs> and hit the tile thing and it beeps and I'm like, oh, there it is. Because I got so tired <laughs> of losing it. Well, yeah, and I, I, I think it was just like, much. but like when I want to watch something, like I haven't watched it in three weeks, and I'm like, where did the remote go? What did I do with it? Oh, okay, here it is. Yeah. Right. He needs to get well, that. I, <laughs> whenever, whenever you're confined to like a chair for like weeks, and you know, there's not much going on. <laughs> so well, how far could it have gone got. if you were in the chair? Oh, it was in the chair. That's the funny part. I just oh, okay. took for myself to get it out of the chair. <laughs> Yeah, I was like sitting on it for like six. Oh I couldn't find it for like six oh, days. Yeah. I was just sitting on it. But <laughs> oh, we appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thank you for joining thank us. You. For thank you, you got uh, it, guys. And I'm looking, here, looking forward to meeting you in person. Let's do it. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. It. And I, I, if you, I don't, if you ever make your way back up to Mansfield, you know, let us know too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I try to come back at least once a year. I was hoping to come back over the summer, so we'll see, like, what my schedule is. But maybe when I finish this documentary and stuff, I can go back. That would be great. Yeah, well, let us know. That would be cool. You got it. That would be awesome. Cool. Awesome. All right, Rob, Nikki, thank you both so much for having me on the program. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate having you on and everything that you're uh, you're doing. And, um, like I said, Mm -hmm. true inspiration. Definitely. Cool, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good night. Talk soon. All right. You too. Thanks. You too. Bye. (laughs) Bye. So that was fun. Yeah, definitely. After, you know, the premise of the show. (laughs) Yeah. But no, but, you know. That was fun. No, but, like, he's got a purpose, you know, and he's used his story to you know, for, for purpose. And I think it's, you know, it's amazing. It is. And it, like, it's just like another example of like somebody who's gone through something that's been like mm-hmm. super traumatic. Right. And I've been through something really like less traumatic. And yet I like try to use it as a crutch. Quote, quote, <laughs> crutch. Cause I talk about my legs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, it's like it's one of those things that like make you realize like, man, you know, you think that you um you know, had it rough and stuff, but that would be mm-hmm. you know, his Right. And the fact that he really hasn't rough. like he said, he's been on go. He's been on like on go since then. You know, and that's just like yeah. wow. You know, a lot of people would, would hold it would hold them back. And it hasn't held him back at well, all. He's used it to help others, and that's just absolutely fantastic. Well, and it takes it past, like, I think it's not past a lot of the stories that we hear or we know of where, you know, we, we don't come across many stories like his. And it takes, right. like, everything to a new level. It's not just experiencing a loss of someone. It's like a loss right. of multiple people, a loss of, like, so many things and you know, I'm not right. one to sit and get into, like, I, I can't diagnose or say exactly, um, you know, what you lose when you have that type of, um, 
experience or traumatic experience, mm-hmm. but you know, right. it's just it takes it takes the a, takes everything to a new level. It's not just a singular loss, you know, which we right. come across all the time. Uh-huh. Um, it's something that's much deeper and Definitely. You know, much, it, it takes somebody super strong to get through something like that. Definitely. I think, um, you know, we definitely enjoyed having him on and uh, Mm -hmm. I look forward to having him on again and doing another true crime special. Yes, definitely. I do too. And we definitely should, um, should you know, plan on meeting up when we're out there. Or, Or just start doing true crime and doing the paranormal thing as a special. There kidding. you go. Hey, you never know. I was just trying don't, to. Don't, don't discount it. You never know. Hey, I would. You never know. You never know. You never know. Thanks, everyone, for listening and joining us on Live Paranormal Radio. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.